Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle-working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. I appreciate you taking time to, to be with me today and share some of the things that God's done, been done in my life as well as the life of others. Uh, today I'm going to tell you some, a series really of really miraculous things that God did during the 1980s to build a television station. He put it in my heart to do this, to build a Christian television station. I'm an eye surgeon. I knew nothing at all about building Christian television stations. But you know, when God tells you to do something, you just get busy working on it, doing the best that you can. So I started investigating it. You know, I started doing everything I could think to do. It just seemed like every direction I turned was like hitting your head against a brick wall. And I, I just, I just tried and tried. I couldn't get anywhere with it. So finally I just thought, okay, I'm just going to back off on this idea. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I just ask you to show me if this is you, I need to, I need to know somehow from you that this is you. And then I, I will be glad to do it with all my might, but I need confirmation that it's really you. And so I just waited on the Lord. Well, one night I was at church and there was a visiting evangelist. She was a lady evangelist and she'd been preaching, walking back and forth, preaching. And, and she stops right in the middle of her sermon and she turns in toward my direction. Of course, she, wasn't, she didn't know she was speaking to me and she had no, nobody had any idea what I had asked the Lord for. But she turned my direction and she said this scripture. She said, pursue and surely you shall overcome and recover all. Well, that's a scripture. I knew where it came from. It's when the Philistines had come after David was gone to war. So the, the enemy came in and he took all the wives of the men, the children of the men, all of their, all of their things that were valuable. They took all of those things. And when David came back to the camp, then all the families were gone. And so he asked the Lord, he said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord told him, he said, pursue and surely you shall overcome and recover all. So I knew that that was a scripture God had given me that was the answer to my question to him. Is this really what you want me to do? His answer to me was, yes, I want you to do it. Pursue. And as you pursue, surely you'll overcome and recover all. Well, I found out that it's, it's certainly not an easy thing to build a television station. Not at all. Lots of hoops you have to jump through. There's lots of things you have to do, a lot of engineering things you have to do, and a lot of uh, demographics you have to do. And, and, of course, one of the things is that you need a, a lot of money to do this, uh, which I didn't have. So this is an interesting thing that happened. Right about this same time, I had a patient come in. He was a young man, and he had read about a new procedure called radial keratotomy, which was a correction for nearsightedness. No, there was no lasers being done at that time for nearsightedness. So the young man comes in, and he asked me, he says, Dr. Vaughn, will you do this radial keratotomy on me? I said, no, I won't do this. It's a, you know, it's a 
brand new technique and no, I didn't feel comfortable at all. So I told him no. So about six months he comes back and he says, Dr. Vaughn, would you reconsider? Would you do this radial keratotomy on me? I really want it done. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, you know, at this time our, our thinking was that you take a diseased eye and then you do surgery on the diseased eye to make it see and make it better. And here this technique was taking an eye that didn't have disease, it just was nearsighted, and you were going to make incisions on the cornea, which is the front of the eye, and make that eye see. And so it was foreign. It was foreign to everything that we'd ever thought or done in, in, in eye surgery. So no, I didn't want to do it. Well, you know, he came in the third time, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to, to learn this procedure. So, you know, when God tells me to do something, I, I really try my best to just obey. I don't understand why a lot of times. I don't have to understand why. The Word of God says, just trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So I didn't need to understand why. I just know He told me to get involved with it. So I, I went to the place where it was being done in America and I learned the technique and I bought all of the equipment necessary to do it, and I told him, okay, I will do the procedure on you. So I did radial keratotomy on this young man. Well, he was so elated with the procedure that the second person that I did it on was his father. And then they told other people, and other people started coming in, and pretty soon I had, you know, I had hundreds of patients coming in that wanted me to do radial keratotomy, and, and it was very successful. I had one patient I remember, I remember lots of patients, but I'll share a couple of them with you. I remember one young man said that the night he had radial keratotomy, he went up on, on a hillside and he, he just looked around at the world because it's the first time in his life that he could ever see without glasses. And he spent the whole night just looking with his new eyes that God had given him. I remember another lady really severely nearsighted. And she told me, she, she told me that she had been in the Gulf uh, Gulf of Mexico swimming and with her big thick glasses on and that a big wave came in and hit and hit her and knocked her glasses off without the glasses she did not know which direction was the shore and which direction was the ocean and she was petrified she was scared to death of that circumstance but after she had radial keratotomy of course she could see now she enjoyed going to the ocean all the time so because of those kinds of experiences, lots and lots of people started coming in to have the surgery. Well, you know, when I started working on the television project, I really did not have the finances to do it, and I had no clue where the finances were to come from to do what God had told me to do. But when people started flooding in and asking me to do radial keratotomy surgery on them, along with that came finances. So God was providing the finances for the television station, for the building of the television station, at the same time that we were working on all the things that we needed to get in place. Well, one of the things was uh, a tower site. So Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is where we were going to put the television station, and it has airplanes flying every direction into all kinds of different airports. And so we hired some experts that would know all about those aviation patterns and where the FAA would allow to have a tower put in. We hired them and they did all of their statistics and work and search and so forth. They came back, they said, okay, we have found a perfect tower site.
and it's north of Dallas, and they told us where it was. So we went out there and we found some land that was for sale in that area, and we bought the land for the tower site. Now you have to make application to the FAA and ask them for permission to put your tower in that site. Well, we put the application in and then we waited and we waited and we waited and we waited. We waited a long time. Finally, we got a response from them and it says, no, we will not let you put the tower there. Oh, here's a predicament. So we take it back to the experts again and ask them what to do. They say, well, they made a mistake. You need to appeal that decision. Okay, you hire the expert, you do what they say. We appeal their decision. Well, again, we waited and waited. Finally, a result came back. No, we will not let you have your tower site there. So here it is. I bought land out of north of Dallas. Now I can't put a tower there and I have land I don't need and that expense that I don't need. And so I asked the Lord, I said, well, what am I going to do? I put, I put on the floor of my office, I put out all the maps of the aviation maps and everything. I said, Lord, show me what to do. Where can we put a tower? And so after I studied it a long time, I finally found one little tiny little spot that looked like it shouldn't interfere with aviation patterns. So then I get a map that blows up that little spot to see where is this spot. And, and to my absolute astonishment, that little spot happened to be right exact spot where I had bought two buildings to use as the headquarter buildings for the television station. So the backyard of the television station looked like it would work as a tower location. So then we, we apply to the FAA to use that as a tower location. Again, we wait and wait and wait. There's FCC deadlines that are approaching. But finally they come back and they say, okay, you can use that as a tower site. Well, that's good. That's a huge, huge step in the right direction. Then you have to go to the city, which was Garland. And we have to get the city approval to build the tower, just like you have to get a city approval to build a house or a hotel or whatever. We had to get the city approval. So uh, the engineer, our engineer, and our, our station manager went to the engineering committee. That's the first step, go to the engineering committee. They went to the committee. We were out of town. I'll never forget the day. I got this telephone call, and the engineer says, the engineering committee is going to suggest to the city council not to approve this building of this tower. Well, I was, I was shocked and I was crushed. I couldn't even imagine why they wouldn't say, sure, go on and build it. But at least that's, that's what they came up with. So then the final decision is up to the city council. So the day of the city council meeting is approaching. Uh, one day in church, my pastor called me out and he said, Use the faith, uh, he didn't say that, use the gift that God has given you. Well, I didn't know what gift he was talking about. So then after the church meeting, I asked him, I said, what gift are you talking about, Pastor? He said, I'm talking about the gift of faith that God's given you. Use your gift of faith to see this through. So the night of the city council meeting came, the city, the engineering committee gets up and they say, we suggest that you not permit building this tower. Then they open the microphone to whoever in the town wants to say things. Okay, so here comes somebody from the vicinity. We don't want this tower built here. You know, the tower might fall over and crush our building. Uh, somebody else comes to the microphone. We don't want the tower here because in the winter, ice might fall off the tower and it might hurt our cars. And that, so many opinions against giving us permission to build the tower. 
many opinions. Then they say, who wants to say something in favor of this? So I stand up and I, I say all the things in favor of doing this. And they say, we're going to take a recess and consider this now. So the city council members, I think there were seven or nine, I forgot. They go off, they take a recess, and they come back and they say, well, we have an alternative plan for you. We figured out there's this spot over by the railroad tracks. We will approve you to build your tower over by the railroad tracks. Well, I mean, that set a fire on me because we didn't have time. We didn't have time to do this. We were approaching an FCC deadline. So I told them that. I said, look, you either approve this tonight or Garland, the city of Garland, is going to lose their ability to ever have a television station here because the television station allocation will go from Garland back to Richardson, which is a different town it came from. We're the ones that asked to move it to Garland. So if you don't approve this tonight, you're going to lose your television station forever. So they said, we better take another recess. So they took another recess. Finally, they come back and they say, well, we're going to take a vote on it. So each, each council member had a button in front of them that they could vote either yes or no. And what they voted was going to show up on a panel that everybody could see whether the votes would be yes or no. So here they started voting. And the rest of us in the city council meeting, we were watching on this panel of lights. So here come the answers. Yes, 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 yes. Every single city council member voted yes. So we got our tower site approved by the FAA. We got our tower site approved by the, the city of Garland to build it there. So that was a tremendous, huge advantage in the right direction. Well, another thing that we had to do was to go to the FCC, taking everything that we had already done. And it's like, it's like this. It's like a, a judicial scene where the, the judge is there. And the judge has an attorney that's uh, from another opposing station that wanted to try to get that station. And then they have our attorney that's on our side who says w he wants us to get the station. And it's like a, a, a jury scene. Okay, so they call the first, the opposing attorney calls the first witness, which was me, because I'm the president of the company. So he calls me, and, and so he starts grilling me. All of these engineering questions, all of, the, all of these questions, it goes on all morning long. He keeps me on the stand grilling me with everything that he can think to grill me with. And lunchtime, a lunch break. Okay, we come back from lunch. And then he continues to grill me and grill me and grill me. Well, about, about the middle of the afternoon, he asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to. But you know, there was a, there's a third attorney over there who's supposed to represent the people. I don't know, he never had said a word, so I don't know what, his, what he's supposed to be doing, but he never said a word until that point came. I started to say, I don't know. I started to say that. When I started to say, ah, I just got that much out of my mouth, this attorney for the people stands up and he said, well, the reason she did that was this, 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 and then he gives the whole answer to why I did that. 
So the judge turns to me, he said, is that why you did that? I said, that's exactly right. So God had spared, spared my one, one answer I didn't know the answer to. He had spared me and given the answer from this third attorney. That's the only words that he said the whole time of the trial all day long. So finally, I think the, the opposing attorney just got tired. Of, he couldn't figure out anything that I didn't know the answer to by the grace of God. So he let me down. The next person that was coming up was going to be a lady named Jerry, and she was the vice president of the company. And she had a whole different personality from me. She, she had decided that she really couldn't learn. I mean, there was a stack of papers this thick of information. He could ask you anything from that information that he wanted to ask you. She had decided this was way too much for her. There's no way that she could memorize all this stuff. So she just blew it off. She says, she took the scripture, you know, in the hour that you need to know a word, God will give you the word. And so she said, he'll give me the word. So this was so funny. He gets her up on the stand. I don't know if he was just so rattled because he never could find something I didn't have the answer to. But for whatever reason, he looks at her a biographical sketch and he says well I see your name and yes she said that's right and and this is the address where you live she says yes that that's right and he, he asked her you know and this is your birthday yes that's right well anybody would know those questions you didn't have to study know any of those and then he says I uh, and you remember the dad's club well she's a lady he's asking her if she's a member of the dad's club she says oh no sir I wasn't a member of the dad's club. I just played the piano for the dad's club. Well, I think he felt like a blooming fool asking a woman if she was a member of the dad's club. And so he said, that's all. And so then she got to get off the stand and just go sit, sit back, you know, sit back down again. That was the end of the questioning for her, which was good because she didn't know very much at all about the television statistics. And then he calls the third person, the third lady, that there were three ladies involved in, in this application. He calls a third lady and asks her some questions, and she knew the answers to the questions. So that was, that was good. That was wonderful. So at the end of that time, we waited to see what the decision was, and they gave us the construction permit to build the station. So during all this time, we had gotten the financing. We had gotten the tower site. And, and so... You know, God, by his grace, made a way for us to have the television station. And we did our best to put Christian programming on there. And but I learned, I tell you what, I learned so much through all of that. I learned so much that how God supplies the need, no matter what the need is, God supplies the need. If it's a, if it's a situation that looks totally and absolutely impossible like not having a tower site was impossible. Like not having the finances was impossible. Like the city council that everybody spoke against it was impossible. We faced impossible situations time and time again. And time and time again, we saw God come through and provide a miracle and an answer where there was no answer. Well, that brings me to your situation today. Because... Whatever your situation is, God has an answer to that situation. There's nothing that's too difficult for him. If you, if, you're, if you have terminal illness today and the doctors have told you that there's no hope for you, that you're going to die, well, that's the best medical advice that you could get, I assume. 
But, th you know, there's a realm that's higher than what we doctors know. There's a realm in God where he can, he can heal you in a moment's time. If you're a person that's, that's ever read the Bible, you'll know that Jesus Christ is a healer. He healed, he healed masses of people that came to him. It didn't matter what their malady was. He healed them all. The Bible tells us Jesus healed them all. So there's nothing that you have that Jesus can't heal. If you will just cry out to him, if you've never even thought about Jesus before, if, if you don't know him, you've never even thought about him before, the way, that you, the way that you can do it is a simple thing from your heart to his and just say, just talk to him like you would talk to your friend or a family member. Just talk to him like anybody else. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, that he will hear you if you call upon his name. You know, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story of a man who, he was actually a high priest in Satan worship. For 25 years, he served Satan. He did as many bad things as he could think to do, serving Satan. Can you imagine? For 25 years, he served Satan. And one night he told Jesus, he said, my daddy, who he considered his daddy was Satan. He said, my daddy's much stronger than you. And if you have anything to say about it, you show me tonight or you just don't ever say anything to me the rest of my life. I don't want to hear anything about you. He challenged Jesus Christ with that. Well, he went to sleep that night and, and what he in his in his sleep, he found himself in hell and he saw the devil and he saw the flames of fire that would never be quenched. He knew there's no days, there's no weeks, there's no months, there's no years, there's no time. It's for eternity, which we can't even conceive of eternity because we have time. We have time, but eternity, there is no more time. So you would spend eternity forever and ever right there in hell. Well, he, he didn't want that. He, when he saw the devil and met the devil face to face, he didn't want any part of that. There was a cross over to the side, and he knew that that cross, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, was his only way out. And so he called on Jesus right down there in the middle of, of that nightmare that he was in. And when he went to bed that night, as I told you, he was a Satan worshiper and had been for 25 years. But when he woke up the next morning, he was a consecrated Christian because he saw what serving Satan would get you. It would get you in the flames of hell forever. So Jesus is the answer. Whether you need whatever it is that you need, if you will call out to him, look, if a high priest in Satan worship can call out to Jesus from a sincere heart and Jesus will answer and save him, he will do the same for anybody else that calls out for him. God sent him here to save you and I from whatever we need to be saved from, whether it's medical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's some horrible emotional problem that you just, you know, I'll tell you another story. This happened to a man named uh, Kenneth Hagen. No, I don't, I'm telling you the wrong man. So there was this, there was this letter, it can't, it, I know who it was, it was Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth. A letter came to him, a telegraph, and said, 
from another city 200 miles away and said, please come and help us. Our, our daughter is, she's lost her mind. The devil's possessing her. Please come and help us. So he took the transportation and got there to 200 miles away. The father leads him down a corridor, up two flights of steps. He opens a door and he pushes Smith Wigglesworth inside the room and shuts the door quickly. And Smith Wigglesworth, he sees a, a frail young woman on the floor with five men trying to hold her down on the floor. Well, she was filled with so much demonic power that she threw off all five men and she came and she stared at him in his face and she said, the, actually the demons in her were saying this, said, you can't cast us out. And Smith Wigglesworth says, I can't, but Jesus Christ in me, he can. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, you demonic forces, you leave now in Jesus' name. One by one, they started coming out. Demon forces, demons and demons started coming out of this girl one by one till 34 demons came out of the woman. And then she was in her right mind. She got up, she walked down the stairs, and she went and had dinner with her family. I'm giving you, I'm giving you some illustrations of what Jesus Christ can do. There's nothing too difficult for him. Nothing. There's nothing. I mean, God created everything that, it, that is. He created the world. The stars, the moon, the skies. He created us as human beings. There, is there anything too difficult for God? No, nothing. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that whatever your issue that you're dealing with that's, that seems impossible, and in the natural it is impossible, I'm going to ask you to cry out to Jesus Christ and ask him to help you, and he will. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. Why don't you, why don't you reach your hand out right now with whatever your need is? And we'll pray together. Father, whatever the need of that person is right now, Lord, you know them. You know how many hairs are on their head. You know every thought that they have. You know every circumstance that's been in their life. You knew them since before they were born. You've known them intimately. Lord, they're, they're, they're reaching out to you right now. They're crying out to you right now. So I ask you, Lord, to, to flood into their being right now. Flood into their being like a great tsunami of the Holy Spirit. Flood into their being right now, Lord. Make yourself real to them. Let them know that you really do exist, that you are real for today and you're real for them, you're real now, and that whatever circumstance that they have, that you're the solution to it. Lord, shine the light on inside of their soul. Shine the light on and get rid of the darkness that's been in there. Someone, you, someone you've had a lot of darkness on the inside of you and you haven't known what to do to get rid of it. Jesus is shining the light of his presence on the inside of you right now. And you're going to have light in your life from now on. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for touching, 
for touching that person and changing their life. I want to thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, he said, Jesus said, he said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. That's what he said. And he's not a man that he should lie. So anything you want to ask him, anything, you ask him anything, and he's happy to be your friend, your constant companion. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be there when everybody else in the world has left you. He'll be there. He'll be there. I know that from my personal experience, and you can too. Just ask him today to be with you every moment of your life from now on. And it'll be the best decision that you ever made in your, made in your life. You know, he'll love you. He'll even hold you tight if you need it. Well, I look forward to being with you next time on Glory Stories. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.